Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani, the co-founder and CEO of Osmosis, along with our Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Rishi Desai. Today, we have a very special episode of Raise the Line. I'm delighted to welcome Jan Herzoff, who's the president of Health Markets, and Elizabeth Munn, who's the managing director of global medical education at Elsevier, which is the publisher of over 2,500 digital journals, including The Lancet and Cell, and many important reference works, including ones that Ryan and I used when we were medical students at Johns Hopkins, such as Gray's Anatomy, Netters, and Robin's Pathology. Many of our audience obviously use these as well. In addition, they have a whole portfolio of amazing companies like 3D4 Medical's Complete Anatomy, Shadow Health, and several others including now osmosis. Uh, so today is a very special episode because this is the first episode we're doing for Raise the Line as part of Elsevier. And you may have seen that announcement if you follow our YouTube channel or our uh, regular listener of the podcast. We're very excited about this. It's been a long time in the works. Uh, I first met folks at Elsevier eight years ago when Ryan and I were just leaving Hopkins Med School to start osmosis and we moved to Philadelphia. And all the people I had met back then are still at the company and still growing and raving about working there. And so we could easily spend a lot of our time today reviewing the enormous impact that Elsevier has had in its 140-year history, and we'll be doing some of that. But we also want to talk about what this acquisition means and why we decided to join forces in the first place. Regular listeners of the podcast know a year ago we had John Danaher, who was a former colleague of Jan and Elizabeth on the podcast. He was the president of Clinical Solutions, and now he's moved to Atelum, which is also a client of Osmosis. Uh, so Jan and Elizabeth, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Chef. Thanks for having us here. To echo Shiv, you know, obviously we've gotten uh, a, a chance to know you a little bit better over the past few months. It's been an absolute delight, but uh, many of our audience haven't. And so maybe we can just start Jan with you and then Elizabeth. Tell us a little bit about, more about yourself. What, what got you into Elsevier and what your role is there day to day? Sure, Rishi. Thank you. And again, so excited to be here and to welcome Osmosis to the Elsevier family. So yeah, a little bit about myself. So um, born in Germany, small village. A lot of family members were from um, healthcare backgrounds, in fact. So I got an early exposure to it and, in fact, founded with a school friend of mine, then pretty early a startup in the healthcare space. And then, yeah, spent my last 20 years in professional life in, in healthcare. Joined Elsevier 2012. And main reason is, you know, I'm very, very interested in research, super keen in information systems technology. So I'm also a PhD in that field. And yeah, it was, you know, perfect fit. And, you know, a lot of things have changed over the last 10 years. And um, yeah, it has been a great, great journey. Yeah, I started my life, one of my first jobs coming out of school was, was actually as a teacher. So I've always been interested uh, in the education side of things. And then I wanted to move into publishing and I happened across uh, this medical publishing company at the time, it was Harcourt, which was the Saunders imprint. I started to work there and just really from the first moment fell in love with the kind of high quality product that we were creating, how well respected it was interacting with all of these in incredible authors and really finding this mission, which has been really important uh, to me. And I guess that's why I stuck around. <laughs> I'm still, still with Elsevier now as it is uh, many, many years later. But in particular, I've really enjoyed working on the education side 
and I think it does stem from you know those first years uh, teaching as well. I've always been passionate about learning and thinking about students and helping them. Um, so it's a really nice way of combining both of those those passions. You know, it's very clear both of you are extremely humble, and it's obvious that Elsevier is very lucky to have the two of you working there. I'm curious, in addition to the background on Elsevier that Shiv just shared, are there things about the company that, that most folks may not know about? And in fact, you know, I'll call one out for myself, you know, the One Health concept that you've described very eloquently in the past. What are things that, that resonate with you that people may not know about for the company? Yeah, I'm happy to go first. So when you ask people, the first thing they think about, obviously, publications, uh, you know, the big titles, both on the journals and the book side. But when I look at, especially in healthcare, what many people don't know is we really have an incredible footprint in the healthcare sector, covering more than 9,000 hospital systems across the globe, a lot of um, medical institutions, medical schools, nursing schools. And it's really obviously always linked to the content that we have, but more and more advanced clinical decision support. For example, when you think about oncology, we support uh, 24% of all of the clinical oncologists in the United States with the right pathways for their patients. And it's pretty cutting edge technology. Some of the things people might not, might not realize. So there are a lot of really, really great things on that. And then, of course, you know, the global footprint. We do a lot in localizations because we believe it's really important that um, medical professionals have the information, you know, very quickly and hand, very, very customized, very localized. So I'll give you an example. In Japan, our team there develops a lot of very cutting edge products for healthcare professionals, both in education and in hospitals, localizing what we have globally, but also inventing for the healthcare professionals there. So we do a lot of localizations because we believe it's really important to leverage the global insights, but also um, especially in healthcare, including the, the local guidelines, local insights, local language. Elizabeth, before you start, I was going to comment on one thing that that stat about oncologists was really interesting because just today, right before we started this podcast, one of our uh, longest supporters, the chief clinical officer at LifeBridge Health, which is one of the largest health systems in Maryland, his name's Dr. Dan Durand. He's a radiologist and he sent me a message congratulating us on joining forces with Elsevier. And I actually didn't even know you guys have StatDX as part of the Elsevier portfolio. It's a great point. I mean, I've been with Elsevier now for over 20 years, and I'm still uncovering new opportunities and new people to meet. I mean, seriously, I had a meeting last week with our colleagues in the science division who want to set up an education um, program there. So, you know, every day, a new opportunity. Absolutely. Um, just to your original uh, question, though, going back to that, to me, it's also about the people and the integrity of the people who work at Elsevier. And I, I think that that's something that people perhaps don't know. I mean, I've never met such a group of committed individuals to presenting the highest quality content and solutions. They care deeply about that, but they also care deeply about creating a common understanding, a trusted fact-based, you know, it's a constantly moving forward place that people can go to trust, uh, trustworthy information. And I think that's so important. And yeah, it's always about the people that you work with. I love that. Uh, go ahead, Rishi, you were going to say something? I was just going to say that's an interesting issue because, you know, today trust and integrity in science has never been more important. And I'm just curious how 
that feels as employees at a company where that is the cornerstone of what you do and what you present in the world? Well, it's never felt more important and it does make you feel very proud of the organization that you work for. And it's something we talk about a lot. It's obviously a very timely and topical issue. And I think in a way we're loving it. It's kind of given us a new lease of life and enthusiasm. And I actually, I think it's something that's really, that the team is really engaged around and, and wants to participate in. So yeah, there's a lot of energy around those discussions, but good energy. Yeah, again, I'm really glad to hear that. Both the emphasis on people, Elizabeth, I mean, this was one of the two major criteria we had when we were deciding on uh, a partnership. You know, Osmosis prides itself on how we treat our teammates like customers or like our, our end users, and we treat our end users and partners like teammates uh, because we all ultimately are trying to raise the line and improve healthcare capacity. So we take that very seriously. The second thing I, I really wanted to consider when we were looking at this partnership was longevity. We've spent a lot of years building the Osmosis audience and the brand and the partnerships and wanted to make sure that the next partner we chose to, to work with cared about that and wanted to maintain a strong legacy of what we've built uh, long after any of us are gone. And so Elsevier has certainly proven that uh, only 45 out of every million companies have lasted for over 100 years, so less than 0.005%, uh, and Elsevier is one of them. So the next question, uh, maybe Jan, you can start with it, and Elizabeth, you can add if, if there's anything else that he hasn't covered. What is the secret behind that legacy? How does a company last for over 140 years? You know, Shift, there's a really interesting article in was, I think it was 1995 in Forbes magazine, uh, where they asked the question, what read Elsevier, so over another company, but of course, Elsevier, a big part of it, if read Elsevier would be the first victim of the internet. Yeah. And that was 1995. And shortly after uh, the first electronic resources came out, and in fact, now um, looking across the company, 80% of all what we do is fully digital. I think it's all about reinvention. And I can give you an, a very concrete example from medical education. So I started to be responsible for the medical education business that Elizabeth is now heading in 2016. And at that time, you know, most of the tools that we provided to faculty and to students were really in book formats in, on, on the medical education side. And we started to do first workshops with uh, students, faculty at different universities. And I remember one was in Leicester University, <laughs> 2016. Leicester, you might remember, Leicester was the famous football club that won the Premier League, in fact, in 2016. They were one of the, I don't know what the comparison would be in the United States in American football, but um, a very unlikely winner of, uh, of the Super Bowl, I guess. <laughs> and we had these sessions where we had our designers there and we had faculty members, we had medical students from different years. And one of the, the pictures that we started to draw was really the foundation of our future vision of how we can support and transform also help to transform medical education for both the educators and the students. And we then started to continue to interview and discuss with medical students and faculty across the globe had design partners. And then, you know, our first digital offering really in that space was built after that. And that enabled us to then transform, but then also enabled us to further look beyond. And that was in fact also the first time when I, when I heard about Osmosis during that time. Um, so we looked at that, looked at different offerings. One big one was indeed around anatomy. We have Grace Anatomy, Netta, and how we can further visualize that. 
and further really improve how students learn and help them to learn and help faculties to to make it most engaging and that's when we came across 3d for medical and it was you know one of the companies that we then partnered with a few years ago but it's one of the small examples of, of reinvention and i can give you countless examples of that in the history so we we constantly reinvent i really like that i mean uh, and actually while you were talking about the lester example which is interesting i looked up on our admin page, we have over a 1000 students at Leicester who have registered on osmosis and watched 22,000 videos. So it's no surprise that you heard about us during that whole experience. And you preempted my next question, which we'll start with you, Elizabeth, too, of obviously, we're thrilled at osmosis to be joining Elsevier, given all the things we talked about today and in the announcement video. But how did you first learn about osmosis? And what are you most excited about with regards to the potential? Elizabeth, and then we'll go to you, Jan. So I first heard about osmosis, maybe about three or four years ago and it was really because of the incredible reputation you had with students so we were talking to a lot of students at the time we were thinking about our own digital um, platforms and we just kept hearing your name being mentioned and the the videos and you know you were clearly doing something that we weren't doing and there was something that was incredibly unique actually you did an incredible thing. You started to create a fan base within Elsevier, <laughs> which is unusual for a competitor. Um, you know, we, we would be like, oh, what's Osmosis up to? We just were incredibly impressed with what you were doing and how you were approaching the whole idea of boiling down complex topics and this increasing breadth of information surrounding um, health education and breaking it down into these very easy learning micro modules um, just incredibly clever you know other people and including us you know we write whole chapters on a topic or uh, someone would video a lecture on a topic and you can get it covered in five minutes so look that's magic that's actual magic yeah so we just think it's the the best thing since sliced bread to now have you within the team. Well, the love definitely flows both ways. We've got a huge fan base inside of Osmosis for Elsevier, and and probably the fan leader is is myself because uh, I grew up on these products that you guys created, you know, and it's trained me. And and I was thinking about this, and it's not just trained me; it's trained all my mentors, and frankly, it's trained all my mentors' mentors, and so. You know, as as a company goes, it's a pretty impressive thing that you've put together and, and that longevity that Shiv was speaking to and Jan was speaking to as well. You know, with transitions, there's always a lot of curiosity around like what's to come. And you've gone through this before. We as a company have not. Uh, I just love to kind of understand, you know, with 3D4 Medical and Shadow Health, what were some of those early wins that, that you all enjoyed when that kind of first came about? So when we look at at capabilities like what, what osmosis has and i mean here to build up again on what elizabeth said one of the key capabilities is what you guys really mastered is the brilliance of simplicity and it's just um, incredible and what 3d for medical has done is they created an incredible engaging tool to study anatomy in a way that it's not just you know, changing from a normal model to a 3D model, but it's, it's, it's so much more and with beautiful designs. So when we look at, at these capabilities, one big thing is our plans are always of where can we invest, where can we help more students with these tools and capabilities. So for example, in 
with complete anatomy, a few things that we did were leveraging the localization capabilities that I mentioned before. The team looked really at what is the toughest localization and what's one that is fairly easy. And then let's do both. Yeah? And then we are able to actually do anything. And uh, they chose Mandarin, so localized uh, complete anatomy for the Chinese market and for the Spanish market. And in a really, really short period of time, the teams worked together on these localizations to then enable students in Mexico City to Beijing, everybody to also really enjoy the capabilities of, of complete anatomy. And another one is when we think about inclusion diversity, it was for 3D for medical, given it was a startup, it was for a long time very challenging to actually have enough resources on the product roadmap to create a female model for 3D for complete anatomy that would deliver on their highest standards. So what we then ensured was that on the roadmap, we would put enough investment behind it that the team can actually fulfill that vision and do it. And in fact, in a few days time, we will launch for complete anatomy, the first female model, which is a really, really exciting piece of news. So we really think about how can we make it more accessible through localizations, et cetera, but also how can we um, you know, look at from an inclusion diversity perspective, what we can do, but also from how can we leverage these capabilities. Also in other products, you mentioned StatiX, for example, for radiologists, you can do a lot of really great innovation if you link up these different parts of the portfolio. And we, we do that together with the medical students, with the medical faculty, with the physicians, with the nurses globally. On that, before you answer that same question, Elizabeth, you know, that's again, one of the major appeals, that specific example where we spoke to, I spoke to Niall, one of the founders of 3D4 Medical, who's still at Elsevier over two years later, uh, which we're excited about him and several managers that, that came in through that acquisition. Um, and that example of both investing in diversity, equity, and inclusion for their product, as well as obviously the culture that you built as well as the localization. Uh, you know, as you know, our big hairy audacious goal at Osmosis is to educate a billion people by 2025. And it's much easier to educate a billion people by 2025 if you can get your content localized into Chinese, Spanish, Portuguese, and other languages, Japanese, because then you'll get more people who can consume it. Uh, and we have a lot of those kind of organic initiatives and Chinese and Vietnamese and Arabic, but having a, the expertise and resources that Elsevier brings, I think will hopefully make this a reality at osmosis, something we've dreamt about for a long time. Back to you, Elizabeth. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think what we bring to the table, obviously, is the money to invest and the scale. But we learned a lot from 3D for medical, too. I mean, it, it was truly we got as much out of it as they got from us. Um, I think they've helped change our culture. Their focus and emphasis on uh, research and development has been fantastic. The way that they approach customer problems and think differently about customer problems and just a genuinely incredibly nice and really creative bunch of people to work with. And uh, I'm already getting that vibe from the Osmosis team as well. And those intangible things are often just as important. They add an energy to the group that really, it's kind of an X factor that spurs everyone else on to be more creative. And, you know, it's, and that dynamic is just incredibly important. And one of the things that we're working really hard on now is making sure that that initial feeling is something that's so important for us to develop with osmosis and, and elsewhere in 3D for medical as well. Totally. All of our interactions have reinforced that as well. So we're very thrilled about all of that. 
So, you know, the reason we launched the Raise Line podcast during the heart of COVID was because we were seeing transformational shifts in healthcare, education, society, the economy in real time. It's one of those few moments that you live through and you're going to really remember for the rest of your life. And so COVID overnight made institutions, medical schools, nursing schools go online, go digital. Uh, Osmosis certainly benefited from some of that, where we went from 40 schools at the beginning of 2020 to over 120 school partners in that one year, a 3x growth there, and were able to serve many of these students and faculty. Similarly, hospitals have had to make major adjustments in their education, in their staffing, et cetera. How has COVID affected the work that Elsevier does and the global medical education team specifically? So maybe broadly, we'll start with you, Jan, and then go to the GME team with Elizabeth. Absolutely. So if you look back at when COVID hit, the top priority was really how can we provide access, remote access or any form of access to institutions, be it nursing schools in the United States where the students were preparing for their final exams or how we could set up, for example, um, our simulation offerings to support because nursing students were not able to then really do their clinical hours. So there was a lot of focus on that. Also on the clinical side, we created resource centers for clinicians globally to access any type of research knowledge directly on these research centers. And they're in fact still still very much live and constantly updated. But the thing was really about how can we, especially on the medical and nursing education side, provide immediately access to our applications, to the content. And I think Elizabeth, you can you can share much more in detail of um, what the team um, has done there. But it was a really, 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 really challenging time. But we hope we were able to support all these students, the faculty globally during this very challenging time. You know, when I think back to those initial days of COVID and, you know, we were struggling with working from home and we could see how much students were being affected, but also the way that they were rising to the challenge as well and putting themselves out there in the front line. It's amazing when something like that happens, how incredibly simple life becomes in some ways as well. It was just like, well, there's not really a commercial imperative. There's not really any need to launch a new product or do a new marketing campaign. It's sort of, we just need to help and we need to get in there. Uh, And it was amazing how everybody in the team, that's what they decided. And was just very simple. It wasn't about free trials. It wasn't about trying to push anything. It was like, we should just give this away. Like, you know, they need to go to school with something, uh, you know, remotely. We've got something here that will help. So no strings attached. Let's just hand it out. And it was very popular with this. We had a great take up, but, you know, it was also really great for us because it gave us a sense of purpose. And, you know, we felt as if we were making a difference somehow. I mean, it was a very small difference in the big scheme of things, but we just wanted to help. We wanted to be there for our students. And, And actually, it was an incredibly positive thing for us. And I hope it helped in some small way to keep the classrooms going for while. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to so many students and faculty who struggled, uh, as you guys are describing. And I think uh, you're saying it is a small thing. And and I think for an individual who's struggling in that situation, it's a huge thing, right? And so I think that that sense of feeling like you're part of something bigger and and fighting a bigger battle, I mean, in no small way, humanity right now is, is struggling for survival. Many people have already died as we fight this scourge and, and I'm curious to know like, what you think are some other ways in which we might more generally, more broadly 
you know, we, we talk about flattening the curve, and I'd like to hear your answer on that, as well as raising the line of healthcare capacity. How do we both help to reduce patient illiteracy and misinformation, disinformation, things like that on the patient side? And then also, how do we, as Elsevier, and I'm including myself and Shiv in this, of course, as well, how do we also help to increase healthcare capacity? It's now needed more than ever. Yeah, I think this is a great, great point, Rishi. So we have obviously access to to a lot of medical information. And in fact, before COVID, I think it took about 70 days um, every year to just to double yeah, medical knowledge. So it was already at that time incredible. And now, of course, with the whole, you know, with a lot of focus on COVID and, and the research there, and then real world data as well that you can see constantly. Now we have Omicron uh, variant. So there's constantly a feed into, into that, but there's so much information that it's also overwhelming. Plus it's also very complex information. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, in fact, I think Elizabeth, it was like a month or just a few weeks in, um, the 3D4 medical team launched a short video clip to explain COVID actually in a very accessible way to people. But I think what you guys are, again, that brilliance or mastery of simplicity, can actually more and more help. And I think that's something else where we, or an area where we can give again something back to society on that of how to help to indeed raise the line. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a big question and the hubris of thinking that we alone could do that. But I tell you, as Jan says, in partnership with osmosis and the skills you have at conveying complex information and topics in really bite-sized, engaging meaningful ways, I think that increases our ability to to get our message across as well. And obviously we've got the reach, the passion and these incredible trusted brands. Um, And I think combining that with your communication know-how and our systems and our trust, hopefully we can make a difference. Definitely inspiring to think about. And I know we're coming up in time and we don't want to take all your days so we can go back to flattening the curve and raising the line through the work you do. So we had just two more questions. The first of which is obviously the osmosis audience primarily skews towards younger, early stage healthcare professional students, uh, as well as patients and their family members, the caregivers. What advice would you give to them about meeting the challenges of the COVID pandemic and beyond as they begin their careers or, or just want to take care of the health of themselves and their family? And we'll start with you, Elizabeth. I think I would say to students in particular, but actually patients too, you're not alone. You're part of a global community. And that's something that I've appreciated so much working at Elsevier with all of our different offices and healthcare communities around the globe that we you know, we take our authors from and that we engage with locally as well. We see common trends, both in terms of education and in learning across the globe. So I think feeling part of that community, because it's an incredibly stressful thing being a medical student, we hear that all the time. So I think kind of learning from people and feeling part of that community is important. I find, Shiv, uh, your story and obviously Ryan's story as well um, about how you started Osmosis to be incredibly inspiring too. I mean, you thought of new ways of, of tackling the problems that medical students were facing. You didn't sort of just say, okay, well, 
that's it. You know, we find this challenging, but um, it's just the way it is. You went out there and changed things. And we talk to students all the time and they're always coming up with, I, I love this actually about medical students. They're the most innovative and entrepreneurial people as well. You know, we, we run hackathons and they're always coming up with new ideas from new apps and really good ideas as well. So yeah, I would encourage those students to keep innovating, keep pushing, keep changing. And how about you, Jan? What, what advice would you give? I mean, it starts first with, from a purpose perspective, especially in the world we are living in, there's probably no better profession. And it's so critical every day what you do what you're going to do after your studies. And it's incredibly hard, as Elizabeth said. So it's a very, especially now, still now, it's, it's incredibly tough in many parts of, of this world. So it's also about not giving up, but it's indeed realizing that there, you know, Elizabeth mentioned the hackathons, some of the challenges we do globally. We see that all the time. When you link, you know, medical students that are in India, in the United States, in Iceland, wherever, we get a lot of messages after those initiatives from people, how much they value these global links and global collaborations. And that's another important thing. Yeah. And then I think the key is we are here. So you have us as, you know, as a partner on your side, we, we want to work now here together also with osmosis and others to really support you through the educational journey, through your professional journey, be there and support you. And also looking forward to your ideas and your suggestions that you have, how we can make your life easier and better. And then, of course, if, if they're entrepreneurial-minded people or, you know, if you're interested in products, we, we always look for incredible people. Absolutely. <laughs> free to, like, we have a lot of healthcare professionals also in our, our teams. So that's, of course, always another, <laughs> another venue. But uh, I would also really thank you for all the work that you're doing day for day and also going forward in the future. And um, we are there. We have a lot of entrepreneurs in the audience. So you heard it here first. Jan and Elizabeth are ready to welcome your ideas. So that's great to hear. I'd like to just kind of end with anything that we might have missed, anything that we haven't covered in this conversation that you feel like our audience would definitely kind of miss out on if we didn't cover. Feel free to share. Elizabeth, from your side? Well, maybe just building on what you were saying before, Jan, about you know those ideas and I think it's about rethinking how we use technology as well. I think that's very interesting, whether we're harnessing the power of video or 3D visualization or what's the what's the next thing? How can we make it easier for you to learn? Uh, you know, the textbook's done a really phenomenal job for you know the last couple of hundred years, but we are moving, beginning to move away from that now. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about visual reality, you know, opportunities here. I just, where are we going to go next? How can you change the, the narrative, change the way that you learn? Because it will come from students. I'm convinced of that. It won't be something that, you know, Jan or I come up with in the head office. So yeah, you, you drive that. We're here to listen and partner with you to make life easier. Awesome. Anything to add, Jan? I think we have, we have covered it all. It was a great conversation with you guys. And again, very humbled to be here and also very excited to see what we can create together and also with um, the audience help. Really looking forward to it, how we can raise the line. That's a great note to end on. Well, 
again, we really are very excited about beginning this next chapter at Osmosis with you and your teams at Elsevier and becoming part of it. So, and we'd also like to end by thanking our audience for all the support they've given us at Osmosis, whether you're a faculty member, a student who's interested in going into a career in healthcare and raising the line, or even a patient who's just interested in, in the general healthcare system and education system that we play in. So Jan, Elizabeth, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Watch this space for everyone who is following along. And with that, I'm Shiv Glani with our Chief Medical Officer, Rishi Desai, saying thank you for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.